strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Good morning, everybody. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead here on KTAR. Uh, last segment, I talked just a little bit about the uh, new proposed rule by the Biden administration regarding asylum seekers. Uh, so the poll numbers uh, that the Biden uh, administration and the Biden campaign team is looking at are dismal when it comes to uh, border crossing, the border, uh, the fact that we have uh, no uh, control over our southern borders and the fact that uh, uh, the fentanyl is the number one killer of young people under age 30 in this country. The fact that 92% of that illicit fentanyl is coming right across that southern border. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, when it comes to asylum seekers, they are from 219 different countries and speak 418 different languages. And that's according to the Syracuse group. About three out of 10 are children under the age of 18. And the leading countries of origin include Guatemala, Venezuela, Cuba, and Brazil. The group said Florida and Massachusetts are among the states with the biggest asylum case growth. The fact is that the average wait time for an asylum hearing is 4.3 years. And I talked about this a little in the last segment. But uh, so somebody comes across the border, throws their hands up and says, I'm here, uh, face a credible threat for my own, uh, a credible threat for my own country. I fear for my safety. And so I want to uh, declare asylum here in the United States. And then they get a proposed date uh, for an asylum hearing, which is 4.3 years later. And then they get dropped off. Uh, dropped off in one of the communities across America. And your guess is as good as mine as far as whether uh, those people, and by the way, the number of asylum seeker backlog is nearing 1.6 million people right now. 1.6 million people who are backlogged waiting for an asylum hearing. And your guess, again, is as good as mine as to whether they even show up uh, for those asylum hearings. Uh, the uh, the actual show-up number uh, for those asylum hearing uh, hearings is devastatingly low. Uh, they're, they're just assimilating into America and become uh, part of a, a, a shadow uh, population out there uh, that's really uh, kind of everybody just buries their head in the sand and pretends it's not happening. But those of us that live in a border state understand painfully clear that the problems associated with that are horrific. Uh, the idea that uh, uh, these people that are being transported 100% of the time across the border by the cartels and they're paying anywhere between five to $10,000 a person uh, to uh, have the privilege to do so. Uh, then uh, many of them are held in uh, servitude for years and years and years after because they can't afford uh, the initial price tag that's uh, pay, payable to the cartels. So they're uh, basically slaves uh, for the next several years uh, to the cartels until they pay back their debt. Uh, and many times uh, uh, with these unaccompanied minors that are being smuggled across by the cartels, uh, they get to the border and then they uh, send the, the the parents or the loved ones or the family or the friends of that child a note saying we've got him at the border but we need another three thousand dollars well, wait a minute we've already paid you five thousand and you told us that was all it was going to cost well no we need another three thousand dollars or we're going to kill him 
that's the realities of what we're dealing with at the border today. It's hardly uh, a, a benevolent uh, way of doing things. Uh, in fact, one young woman uh, was who was apprehended by Customs and Border Patrol agents in Yuma, uh, they noted that in her backpack she had a bottle of morning after pills, which is, as, as most of you know, is the abortion pill, the day after pill. And uh, she, they, she was asked, why do you have so many of these morning after pills? And she said, because I knew that I was going to be raped multiple times on the trip uh, to be smuggled across the border. So, folks, don't kid yourselves into thinking that somehow this is just some benevolent activity where wonderful people just want to come across the border and are being smuggled across by other wonderful people. Uh, that's not the facts. Uh, the facts are that uh, uh, it's mayhem. And Joe Biden has seen the poll numbers just as the rest of us have. And so he's come up with this idea uh, to uh, quickly uh, send those uh, back across, those asylum seekers back across and deport them uh, if they came across illegally. As I mentioned before, one of the things that really worked in the last administration uh, was uh, the stay and remain in Mexico policy. A couple of governors have uh, submitted a, a letter uh, to Congress saying that they think states should have more responsibility when it comes to immigration. So much to talk about here, folks, but uh, uh, the Biden administration is moving now in a different direction because it understands politically its life is on the line. We've got so much more to talk about. Uh, we're being swallowed up in national debt, uh, and uh, we're all seeing the results of it with higher interest rates and uh, with uh, inflation, as far as the eye can see. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Stick with us here. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hi again, it's Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR on this blustery day. And, uh, those of you out there that uh, are sick and tired of inflation, sick and tired of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates and putting uh, home payments completely out of touch, especially for uh, first-time home buyers who are sick and tired of the stock market uh, jitters and what it's doing to our 401k. In fact, a lot of my friends have referred to their 401k as a 201k because of the hits that it's taken over the last uh, several months. How does all of this relate to what's going on in Washington? Big time. The fact is, anybody who's taken an economics 101 class understands that when federal spending is out of control, that uh, the answer by the feds is to always uh, uh, print more money. And when they print more money, that leads to hyperinflation. When we get hyperinflation, the Fed feels like it's got to intervene because uh, the job market's too good. And uh, people are still buying products and services, and, and so they've got to slow it all down. And so how do they slow it down? by incrementally uh, increasing the rate that we pay uh, on our interest. And that's been dramatically increasing. And what does that do to the stock market? It creates jitters. And it sees uh, it, it, show, it makes the stock market uh, drop uh, precipitously in value. And the fact is, it's impacting every one of us. I came across a really, really wonderful piece, uh, how, do we, how the U.S. Can Prevent a Debt Spiral, written by a man named William A. Galstrom from the Brookings Institute. And he says this in his opening line, Households, businesses, and government can borrow productive 
effectively up to a point after which debt restricts their choices and threatens their solvency. There's evidence that the U.S. government has reached that point and will go well beyond if the country doesn't change course. When Bill Clinton took office in January 1993, government debt held by individuals and private institutions, foreign and domestic, amounted to about 46.8% of gross domestic product. After four consecutive budget surpluses in his second term, and I might add, I was there during that time when we actually had budget surpluses, it had fallen to 327 by the end of 2000. And it remained at roughly this level for the next seven years until the onset of the Great Recession. And by the time the recession ended in the third quarter of 2009, it had gone all the way up to 52.3. So right now, at the end of 2022, it's at 97%. This is amazing, folks, and it's insurmountable. This is something that we need to spend a lot of time talking about because nobody in Washington is addressing it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more on one of our later segments. But I And I hope you'll stay tuned on this blustery day. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hi there. Good morning. It is a uh, blustery day. A lot of weather issues, and we've been talking a lot about it here on KTAR. This is Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on your favorite radio station, KTAR. Uh, you know, how many times have I heard from somebody how... They lament the fact that we don't really get any news on the television news anymore. Uh, the fact is that uh, these cable news programs seem to be much more interested in clicks and uh, uh, entertaining than they are actually presenting the news. And it seems like the news stations kind of quadrant themselves off into a certain segment of the political population and advocate all of their ideas and their news toward that population. It seems like, you know, 95, 98% of the news we're getting on, uh, you know, the TV cable news programs is opinion, uh, based, uh, stuff and not factual based stuff. Uh, they're basically trying to force feed us what to think. Nothing could be more evident of that idea than what, uh, I recently read in one of our nation's top newspapers, uh, Fox News's fear of Trump mirrors the GOPs. That was the uh, headline. What does all that mean? Well, when you look at uh, Fox News today, uh, whether you're watching, uh, especially in the evening uh, programs, when you're listening to uh, Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity uh, or Tucker Carlson, uh, it's very, very clear that they've, uh, uh, over the last uh, uh, year or so, have advocated uh, the same positions uh, that Donald Trump has regarding uh, the 2022 election, uh, that it was stolen, that uh, he was the rightful winner of the election, that uh, uh, regardless of the fact that no courts uh, actually accepted uh, the evidence that they put forward as uh, as legitimate evidence and no courts have reversed any portion of the election, uh, that message has continued to, to play out uh, in the GOP and at Fox News. So this uh, particular opinion piece, I think, is very, very telling because it uh, I'm sorry, it's not an opinion piece. This is actually a a news story. And uh, it's uh, information that's come out uh, in the defamation lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News. And in that process, they've actually brought 
quite a lot of uh, emails and texts, uh, private emails and texts going forth uh, between uh, employees at Fox News. And it's quite a different story that they uh, that they voice in private uh, to their friends and their colleagues uh, than they voice uh, publicly to the rest of us unwashed masses uh, on the television. Um, so let me let me throw out a few of these quotes to you because I think it's quite unsettling that uh, the 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 same mentality doesn't seem to be translating to the rest of us that he's sharing privately uh, with his friends and colleagues. What Donald Trump's good at is destroying things. He's the undisputed world champion of that. Fox News host Tucker Carlson texted his producer Alex Pfeiffer two days after the 2020 election. He could easily destroy us if we play it wrong. Now, at that time, I know that they were really, really concerned that uh, Newsmax was uh, bumping up in popularity among right wing uh, listeners, among uh, people uh, that uh, tended to be more bought into the president's uh, allegations about a stolen election. And I know that Fox News was very, very, very concerned, as it seems like most of the news stations are about losing that all too precious market share. And so uh, that by the night of January. January 6, 2021, after the dust had settled on the Capitol riot, Carson declared Trump to be a demonic force, a destroyer, but he's not going to destroy us. Boy, does that sound like anything Tucker Carlson has actually said on Fox News to the rest of us, uh, that these things that he's saying in private. So these internal Fox uh, communications shared last week in the defamation lawsuit brought by the Dominion Voting Systems paint a picture of a cable news outlet that is preoccupied with its business model as it chose to air the the claims uh, Donald Trump was, was pushing. But it was very, very clear from the emails and the texts that were coming from some of these uh, very same personalities that they didn't believe the stuff that they were spreading. And uh, this is something else that, uh, that Tucker Carlson said. Uh, the second uh, Carlson producer, Justin Wells, noted before the uh, admonition about uh, catering to Trump uh, supporters, we're threading a needle that has to be thread because of Fox News' decision uh, desk calling Arizona for Trump. So that had all kinds of negative repercussions uh, with the Trump folks uh, because they were really, really ticked off that Fox News called Arizona for Trump at a very early time. And just before uh, Carlson warned in ominous tones about Trump destroying Fox, one of its producers intoned, it's a hard needle to thread, but I really think many of our side are being reckless demagogues right now. And to that, Tucker Carlson responded, Of course they are. We're not going to follow them. He went on to Carlson again, went on to apply some real skepticism of Sidney Powell's claims, pointing to her lack of evidence, the rare Fox News to do so. It's unbelievably offensive to me, Carlson texted fellow prime time host uh, Laura Ingram on November 18th. Our viewers are good people and they believe it. So, When you listen to cable news, whether it's CNN that's clearly biased on one side, Fox News, it's troubling to learn 
that their prime concern is simply self-preservation and market share. That apparently from what we've just heard and from this article that's posted all these private comments that have gone back and forth in private texts that have been uh, that have been obtained because of this lawsuit uh, Dominion has filed against Fox News are now showing that the thing that Americans disdain more than anything else is hypocrisy. When you say one thing and do another. And I'd ask everybody out there to, to think about that the next time you listen to somebody on one of the cable news stations. This is Matt Salmon, and I hope you stick with me as we uh, explore some very, very interesting and wonderful topics. Uh, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, good morning. It's Matt Salmon in for Mike Broomhead on this blustery day in February. And uh, thrilled to be with you today. Uh, I miss Mike just like you do. But I uh, want to talk about a few things uh, regarding politics. I know a little bit about that. Uh, the fact is, uh, before the last election, all of the prognosticators were saying that this was going to be a red wave, not a red wave, a red tsunami, that Republicans were going to take back the House, U.S. House. They were going to take the U.S. Senate. We were going to win every major seat uh, in Arizona. And then after the dust all cleared, we got shellacked. I say we because I'm I'm a known Republican. Uh, the fact is, uh, all the way across the board. Uh, in the Senate race, uh, we lost. In virtually all of the major uh, races at the state level, governor, uh, attorney general, secretary of state, we lost. Uh, we have the barest of margins, uh, thinnest of margins uh, at the state legislature, one in each body, one in the House, one in the state Senate. Uh, Katie Hobbs just announced yesterday that she's uh, putting together a fund. Uh, she's uh, put down a down payment of about half a million dollars to flip the state legislature to Democrat control. And have Republicans learned anything? From this last election, the fact is, during the primary, they elected the folks uh, that at at the state level anyway, everybody that was endorsed by Trump. In fact, a lot of the voters that I ended up talking to, I know because I was involved. I was running for governor at the time. And I can't tell you how many times, can't count on my fingers and toes, the number of times somebody said, well, you know, if President Trump endorsed him, that's good enough for me. I don't know. I don't need to know anymore. If President Trump endorsed him. And virtually all of those at the state level, uh, governor, secretary of state, attorney general that were endorsed by Trump got beat. And now we're looking at the next election. At least hopefully we are. Some people can't get their eyes beyond the last two elections and they can't talk about anything. They can't talk about the trouble we've got with the drought and the water problems and the fact that teachers don't make enough pay here in Arizona. The fact that uh, uh, we've got horrific crime on the streets. The fact that we've got this horrible situation at the border. Uh, and, and I could go on and on and on and that we're spending uh, too much of uh, taxpayers money. But we just want to keep looking in the rearview mirror. And now we're looking at the Senate race. And why is it important? 
right now, the Senate uh, has flipped barely uh, to Democrat control. And uh, virtually anything that Biden wants, they've given him uh, in the Senate. Uh, true to her word, Senator Cinema has uh, really played an independent hand. And if it wasn't for her and Manchin, heaven help us. Uh, the, the things that we'd be facing uh, right now, in my view, would be horrendous. It would be socialism uh, at its worst. Uh, and and thank goodness they actually kept their promises. But now we're looking down the pike at a Senate election. And uh, major things have happened. Senator Cinema has switched from Republican to independent, or excuse me, from Democrat to independent. And Shortly on the heels of that announcement was uh, an announcement that Ruben Gallego would be uh, running as the Democrat uh, candidate. He doesn't seem to have any opposition, nor will he probably. And the Republicans, uh, that's the biggest question of all. Former Arizona gubernatorial candidate Kerry Lake is, this is from the Washington Post, is inching closer to deciding to run for the Senate. And her expected candidacy has frozen the Republican field in the state as other Senate hopefuls wait for her decision. I don't think that's completely true. There are other people talking about running. Mark Lamb, uh, who is the sheriff in Pinal County, has talked about mounting a bid for the Senate. Uh, you've heard uh, Blake Masters, who was the unsuccessful candidate uh, for the GOP in the last uh, go-round against Mark Kelly, is thinking about it. Uh, a guy that I'm going to have on later. He's saying he's not thinking about it, but uh, a lot of people are hoping that he does uh, because he seems to be the kind of candidate that has crossover appeal that could win. And that's Juan Siskimani uh, from down Tucson way. Uh, and uh, you, you have other candidates. I, I know that uh, uh, the folks at the Republican Senate Committee, Mitch McConnell, would probably give their right arm if they could get Ducey to run. But uh, who knows? Well, what's going to happen if they're going to sit it out because of, of Carrie Lake and Carrie Lake uh, is on her tour across the country uh, telling everybody how she got robbed here in Arizona. She's raised two point five million dollars. Uh, heaven knows how she's going to spend that money. Uh, you know, the, the lawsuits don't appear to be that expensive. And so far, uh, both the court of original jurisdiction and the appeals court uh, have told her she doesn't have a case. Uh, she says she's going to appeal that to the U.S. Supreme, or excuse me, to the state Supreme Court. And we'll see what happens there if they even accept uh, to hear the bill or excuse me, hear the, the suit. Uh, but the fact is, um, you know, we believe that we had a red wave going in this last election and it ended up being a fizzle. Uh, and Einstein said once you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. That's insanity. Uh, we can talk about this a little bit more later, but does it make sense to put forth somebody who could not win uh, an election uh, when we were supposed to have a red tsunami when things are going to be different? I know a lot of people are asking these questions. Stick with me. We'll be talking about this and other important things uh, in the coming segments and during this horribly blustery day. Stick with me. It's Matt Salmon on KTAR.